Benedict XVI has published his apostolic letter called Porta Fidei, or Door of Faith in English. This document officially calls for the Year of the Faith. Hello, thank you for joining us for Porta Fidei, the show that reviews the Catechism of the Catholic Church in light of the Year of Faith. This Year of Faith is an opportunity for us to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Second Vatican Council and the 20th anniversary of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And I'm Valerie Soup. And again, you join us for this episode of Porta Fidei. We are going to be walking through the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Today we have a treat in store for you. We are going to continue our discussion on how we can know God. We've spoken in past episodes of how we can come to know the existence of God, how we can know God by the light of natural reason, and we're going to continue our discussion. Today we're going to continue that, and we are going to move into number 39 to 43 and talk about not only how we can know God, but now how we can speak about God. And okay, Valerie, if I can ask you, make, take us right to, to number 39. Great, Father. So reading from the Catechism, paragraph 39 says, In defending the ability of human reason to know God, the Church is expressing her confidence in the possibility of speaking about him to all men and with all men, and therefore of dialogue with other religions, with philosophy and science, as well as with unbelievers and atheists. Wow. I definitely am very much appreciating number 39 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because isn't that so true? We spoke in our last episode about the Church's great confidence in reason. So oftentimes people say, oh, the Church is anti-reason, oh, the Church is anti-science. Like, what are you talking about? These, these fields were born and found their greatest mm -hmm. nurturing Amen. from the Catholic Church. So this number 39 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is definitely affirming that. And I, I tell you, the ability to assert that we can, in fact, speak about God. Cause, you know, there are a lot of people, and we, we certainly experience them, and in the ministry of vocations or with young adult ministry that you're involved in or, or just ministry in the church where we certainly approach people that say, you know, well, God's there and, you know, maybe he's there. But, you know, he's just such a great mystery. We really can't talk about him. And it's, it's almost like this agnosticism or practical agnosticism. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe he's there. But can, do, do we really know that stuff about him? Can we really talk about him? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, heaven forbid, actually assert truths that pertain to him and so on. You know, and, and we get that a lot. And before we go right to the question of God, I think the spirit of number 39 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church really goes back to truth. Can we talk about truth? You know, and, and of course, as we talked about last time, whether we can know God, know truth, now it's whether we can speak about it. People say, you know, there's, there's no absolute truth. There's no right mm -hmm. and wrong. There's no truth, absolute truth. It doesn't exist. And of course, the response is always, well, that was an absolute truth. Exactly. <laughs> right? You know, it's like... You just got to love that. Well, are you absolutely sure about that? And so, mm -hmm. Well, what? Well, if you're absolutely sure there's not absolute truth, you've just come to your first absolute truth. Congratulations. <laughs> you know? But then the second step, which leads us to number 39 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, is that if truth exists, there's absolute truth. In that example, absolute truth doesn't exist. Are you absolutely sure? Yes. Good. Well, there's an absolute truth. The second part of that is you just spoke about absolute truth. Congratulations. Mm. There's two. You know, two for one, right? So here, what the church is saying is not only can we know God, but we definitely can talk about God. Mm. And we can say definitive and clear things about him. And I especially that, like that last part where it says, and the church can engage with science 
and with non-believers that because we can talk about God, we have to talk about God. The church is very confident in her knowledge of who God is and our ability to speak about him. She's not embarrassed by it. She doesn't make apology about it. We know what the truth is, and we're going to speak about that truth. And because we have this truth, we don't have to feel threatened by others who would might purport different truths, but we can enter into dialogue. Um, I studied science in college, and I love, again, just whenever the church emphasizes that we have that dialogue with science. So many people today think that science and religion is a either-or sort of thing, but it's like, no, they actually work together because both are pursuing truth. And if both are pursuing truth and both are pursuing God, it actually makes me think of this great quote from Albert Einstein. He says, everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man and one in the face of which we with our modest powers must feel humble. In this way, the pursuit of science leads to religious feeling of a special sort, which is indeed quite different from the religiosity of someone more naive. Even one of our great scientists that society holds up, he himself acknowledged this in studying science. He came to that knowledge of God. Absolutely. And I think that we have to, as a church, in the sense of our, our formal teachings in regards to the, the shepherds that are appointed by Christ, but also the church I and mean, all of us as the mm-hmm. people of God, like we have to speak yes. with confidence. And and so oftentimes I think people are, are perhaps shamed to silence or, or they don't want to speak about God because of accusations of arrogance or narrow-mindedness and you know, we can say with, with safety and, and, and with assurance that, you know, this is a confidence that we don't give ourselves. Mm. The confidence that the catechism speaks of, that, that we're speaking of now, that you know, that's a confidence that isn't born from ourselves. It's a confidence in the one who has given us this body of truth, who has revealed these things about himself to us. So that confidence is, is given by God. And it's a confidence that's given not to assert or to impose or to coerce. That is just not good religion. Yes. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But a truth... And a confidence that allows people to be invited, to have truth explained and presented. And again, it's just one ultimately of invitation that, you know, this is who God is. And we have to speak about God in our everyday lives. We have to speak about God in and through the church. We have to speak about God in our societies, in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We have to speak about God. And we have to have that confidence. Yes. Like, do you realize this is some really great stuff? Right. <laughs> you, know? Yes. Like, you know, oftentimes I think about the... Uh, a young woman was recently proposed to, and oh my gosh, was she so proud of that ring? You know, oh, yeah. and the whole group just surrounded her, and she is waving her ring around, mm-hmm. there, and she's just so happy because look at this, look at this, you know. And I think in that same way, that should be the spirit that we have as the children of God, as we share with all people mm-hmm. these truths that have been given to us about God. That we have to have that uh, that boldness, that confidence to speak about God and to engage. And if people disagree or people have different understandings, great, great. Well, let's talk and let's both walk towards the truth here. Number 39, of course, leads us to number 40. And and number 40 reads, since our knowledge of God is limited, our language about him is equally so. We can name God only by taking creatures as our starting point in accordance with our limited human ways of knowing and thinking. I think we do have to readily admit that our language is limited. Our knowledge of God is limited, and therefore our language about him is also limited just because God, he is infinite, and so he's so far above us. And so how can we talk about God? Well, we have to take creatures as a starting point. That's what we have. We have to work with what we got. And so we take creatures as our starting point, 
And then we can start to make comparisons and start to make analogies. But of course, that's ultimately what we would call the analogy of being, that we only have, as you were saying, what we have in front of us through the senses, through our experience. And we use these in order to describe God. Now, that is a very human, real, understandable. That's how not only as individuals, but even as the church, as the church teaches. But what we have to remember is that God <laughs> is infinitely more yes. than all of these things that we use to describe him. So we might say that God is kind, and we understand what we mean by that. But ultimately, if we were to speak more accurately to the degree that we can speak of this attribute of God, we would say that God is kindness. Mm. You yes. know, And of course, ultimately, we would have to realize that even that doesn't speak, that does not summarize the reality of God or that attribute of God. Yes. Father, I know I've heard you say before that God does not have emotions, and I think that can be kind of a shocking statement, like, what? God doesn't have emotions? Obviously, the second person in the Trinity who took on flesh, Jesus Christ as a man, had emotions, but God being itself doesn't have emotions. And so when we talk about God being kind, or even when we talk about God being angry, that's our attempt to describe a reality that we just don't have the words to describe it accurately or precisely. So we do the best we can with our experiences. Humans, we have these emotions. Absolutely. And in fact, with the second person of the Trinity is in Jesus Christ, we have emotions, but perfected emotions, mm. which really are more states of the soul to mention that. But more important, and the point we're both making here is that, that when emotions are used, what we're attempting to do in our own human experience is to summarize what's happening between ourselves and God. God is angry. What does that mean? The same way that I might be angry with someone here on earth, that division or tension in the relationship is what now exists between humanity and God because of this offense or negligence, or whatever it might be. So, for example, in the biblical narrative, we say it's the word of God in the language of man. Mm. In the language of man. <laughs> we can understand that, you know, because whatever we're saying about God... God is infinitely more, and it's an incomplete, real, but incomplete description. And I'm sure some of our listeners are probably scratching their heads saying, what are they talking about? We're going to keep talking a little bit about this. And, and of course, the point we're just trying to make is that our human experience is limited, and God is beyond all limits. So if you're wondering, what's the, what's the point in this? In the biblical narrative or in the emotions or... If we say before time, even that, we're using time to describe God because before time, what does that mean? We have to use time. We have to use space. We have to use emotions. We have to use relation. We have to use all these things in order to understand God. So maybe an image will help us here in that, you know, the church describes, if we can imagine, just this darkened place. We don't know where it begins, if it begins, where it ends, if it ends. And there's this large, dark space. And in this complete mystery of this darkness, there's just one single candle, mm -hmm. just one single. And we didn't light the candle. And that one single candle is all of Revelation. And that black mystery that surrounds this, this darkness that surrounds this candle, that is the mystery and the reality of God that is far beyond, infinitely beyond anything we could ever imagine. Yet that one candle is very important because not only because it's the only candle in the midst of darkness, but also it's that candle that helps us to get home 
and God has made himself the way home. So that candle is very important, but all of Revelation, isn't that very humbling? It's you know, very humbling. All of Revelation is that one little candle. Yeah, puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, it could kind of humble a little bit of our, our pride sometimes. You know, we have to be careful because in receiving truth, we can, well, we can struggle with pride. Of course, the scriptures tell us that God rejects the proud even when they're right. So yes. we have to definitely try to be humble. And that reality is humbling. And, and theology, again, and, and we'll explain these terms, but just to throw them out there, we call that the, the apophatic tradition. And what that basically means is that God is infinitely more than anything we could ever say about him. That ties in great. These paragraphs coming up, talking about God transcending and being so much more than what we can know or say about him. Paragraph 41 will say that all creatures bear a certain resemblance to God, most especially man, created in the image and likeness of God. The manifold perfections of creatures, their truth, their goodness, their beauty, all reflect the infinite perfection of God. Consequently, we can name God by taking his creatures' perfections as our starting point, for from the greatness and beauty of created things comes a corresponding perception of their creator. Well, I think the catechism stealing from our show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that basically sums up what we were saying before about the analogy of being. So we take the creatures and we see the perfections of creatures, the truth, the goodness, the beauty that we see in people, that we see in creation, everything God's created. And so we take those perfections that we can see in creation and then compare those to God. And we can start to talk about God using some of these attributes, truth, goodness, beauty. Absolutely. And what I like about that is while the church in one sense gives us this broad and beautiful horizon so we can begin to understand, then the church immediately begins to teach us. And so number 41, the Catechism of the Catholic Church leads us to number 42, which reads, God transcends all creatures. We must therefore continually purify our language of everything in it that is limited, image-bound, or imperfect. If we are not to confuse our image of God, the inexpressible, the incomprehensible, the invisible, the ungraspable, with all our human representations, our human words always fall short of the mystery of God. Of course, we're reading number 42 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Let me just read that last part again. Our human words always fall short of the mystery of God. What do you think, Valerie? Yeah, we've asserted that we can know and talk about God, but we also have to have that healthy sense that he is so far above and so much more than anything we can say. So what you were saying, Father, of the apophatic tradition, so that we can say more about who God isn't than who God is. St. Thomas Aquinas would talk about oh, that and yes. saying that by saying what he's not, we can come to a better understanding of who he actually is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's key. And, and you know, here what we're trying to do is, is not confuse our listeners because most of our show to date has been about how we can know God mm. and how we can talk about God. And, and we're not dismantling that mm. by reading these parts of the catechism. What we're trying to do is put this within the broader context that God is a mystery. He is the mystery of all mysteries. Uh, he's infinitely more than what we can say about him. Mm -hmm. That's important for us to understand so we can come to appreciate yes. what we can know and what we can say. Yes. So it's that candle in that dark night mm -hmm. that he has lit. God has lit that candle, mm -hmm. not because he had to, not because we forced him, not because we manipulated him, but in a sheer plan of love and kindness. But God has lit that candle simply because he loves us. He wants us to know him. Mm -hmm so that we can love him. So 
today's show is actually stressing the importance and hopefully building within each of us the gratitude of what we can say about God. I was reading um, some writings from some of our spiritual masters in the Catholic Church, and they were just writing about this thought, but then come to this beautiful conclusion that God has revealed himself in his son as love, and that it is only in love that we actually come to know God. So when we're trying just without love, if we're trying to come to know God, then he is. He's the ungraspable. He's the incomprehensible. It just seems like this mysterious cloud or the image that you gave of darkness, and we're just groping around, and what can we know? But then that beautiful act that God lights that candle, that God reveals himself as love, and in that love, he draws us into himself so that we actually become one with him. We enter into his very life. Practically, what does this mean for us as Christians? It is building that sense of gratitude that out of this complete act of generosity and grace that God has revealed himself to us, that God made us out of love, and then that he allows us to know him is something that we all need to be reminded of because it's easy for us to start to conform God to whoever we want him to be. And that's that scares me um, mm. because we want to know the living God as he truly is. Absolutely. It reminds me of the uh, great uh, satirist and American writer Mark Twain who said, God made man in his own image, and man is forever trying to repay the favor. <laughs> you know, oh, that's great. That we have to be, be so cautious in, in, in our approach to God. And I say, if someone were to come up to me, see someone I cared about, and they were to say, you know, I was, um, I was born in 1975. Okay, and that's all they said to me. You know, they were born in 1975. Oh, okay. Well, if I'm in a relationship with this person, and, and this person is important to me, and this, this friendship and so on, then that one statement that one piece of knowledge suddenly gives birth to dozens of questions. Mm. What day, what month, where, what was your family, your culture? All these questions are born from that one piece of knowledge. Mm. You know? And maybe after they told me that, I'm not able to get the answer to these other questions. Now, if we can begin to understand that in having revealed truth or truth of God that we can come even by reason, we have this little bit of knowledge in the midst of this apophatic tradition, this, this darkness. And that little bit of knowledge caused some frustration because we want to know. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that frustration, that frustration then is turned into a desire. Mm-hmm. And what we begin to do is, well, I don't have the answer to all these other questions, but I have this. Mm-hmm. And this was given in trust and in care. So I'm going to hold on to this. Now, if we can understand that human relationships, that's basically what God has done. God has revealed, okay, this is what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And the fullness of all revelation came in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's it. And there's so much in what God has revealed about himself that raises so many questions. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes whether it's general questions, doctrinal questions, maybe it's just questions in our own lives. Why this happened? Why didn't that happen? And we want these answers. Mm-hmm. And yet... Sometimes God does not reveal those answers yes. or give that information or that knowledge. So what do we do? Well, mm-hmm. what we can do is we take what's been given and we start to dive in. Yeah. And the great thing about the truths of God is when we begin to dive into these truths, we realize that there's a pedagogy. Mm-hmm. There's a teaching style that God has. There's an identity there that all these dots come together. And it's never as much as we want, but it's precisely that desire for more which gives birth to an appreciation of what we have, Mm. a real diving into. 
And ultimately, it nurtures and feeds that relationship and ultimately our desire for heaven. I want to get there because yeah. I really want to find out yeah. the answer to those other questions. You know? So Gosh. so I think uh, we have been talking about uh, number uh, 39 to number 43 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We've given our listeners a lot, but maybe we can just give them uh, number 43. Number 43 of the Catechism reads, Admittedly, in speaking about God like this, our language is using human modes of expression. Nevertheless, it really does attain to God himself, though unable to express him in his infinite simplicity. Likewise, we must recall that between creator and creature, no similitude can be expressed without implying an even greater dissimilitude, and that concerning God, we cannot grasp what he is, but only what he is not, and how other beings stand in relation to him. It's a beautiful summary. That is, that is, and that definitely echoes some of the things you were saying earlier, Valerie and I. I'm reminded of this story uh, some years ago, right after I was ordained a priest. I went to visit my nieces and nephews. My little niece came up, and, and that's when some of our listeners might remember Barney, the, the hmm. purple dinosaur. Oh, yes. and so, so my little niece came up to me, and she had uh, her little Barney, uh-huh. you know, and, and she heard that now Uncle Jeff can bless things. Oh, yes. So she brought a Barney. I thought, gosh, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> being in any of my... My training, can I bless Barney? How do you bless you know? a stuffed animal? <laughs> right, you know, so, and should I? I don't, you know. But I figured, well, all things are a path to holiness. So I, I blessed uh, my little niece's Cute. Barney. Exactly. But then she says to me, Uncle Jeff, Barney is God. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Back up. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, I'm dealing with a child here, you know. So, but I think of that as we talk about today's topic in regards to what we can say about God because. What that child meant, mm. what my little niece meant when she said this was, Barney, she watches his show, Barney is love, he's welcome, he's a source of unity, and so on. So in her very limited language, worldview, and imagery, she was trying to express as best she could mm. the reality of God. And if we can understand that, then we can realize that when we have these truths given to us by God and we try to understand them and explain them, our language is good. We have to. We have to speak about God. We have to realize what we've been given and do our best. Mm. But we have to remember paradise is going to be awesome because God is going to reveal all things. As Paul so eloquently describes throughout his writings in the New Testament, you know, that God will be all in all. Mm-hmm. In John, the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, like the veil will be torn yes. again and, mm-hmm. and pulled aside and we will see God as he is. Mm-hmm. You know? And in this life, we have these truths. We need to realize that we can know God. We can speak about him. And we have to use what we have in our own language in order to describe the beauty, the power, the majesty of God. Father, as you were saying all that, I thought that was beautiful. And I was just thinking God is revealing the certain pedagogy that he has, a certain way that God has of teaching um, of teaching us about himself. And one of my favorite parts in the Bible, and it just reminded me of this, is the story of Job. I think people are suffering in the world, and a lot of people are asking hard questions. I actually just learned this morning that a friend of mine, two of her sisters have already died, and now her father has also died from this condition in their family. And we just want to ask God why. He doesn't always give us the answers that we want. And it makes me think of Job, and I love when Job is saying all these things to God and asking why. Of course, we know that Job had everything and Job was a holy man, but 
God allowed him to undergo these sufferings and his whole family died. All of his livestock was taken away. He had sickness. Everything this man had was just taken away. And so he's asking God why. And when God finally comes to speak to him, he answers Job's question with a question and says, where were you when I founded the universe? Where were you when I stretched out the seas, when I told the seas where to stop and the dry land to begin? And he just takes us out of our human frame of reference context and takes us out and reminds us of God's transcendence and God's infiniteness and just how much bigger he is than what we can see. That might may seem a, a bit of a tangent to what we've been talking about, but I think as we're talking about how can we speak about God, we only have this one candle of revelation in the midst of this big darkness that is the mystery of who God really is. God always seems to bring us back to that reminder of how big he is. And some people might say that God's response to Job is maybe callous and not compassionate. Like, why isn't he answering Job's questions about suffering? But in that answer, it reminds us that he's in control. And the only reason we exist is because God loves us. He has no need of us. So the only reason for our existence is love. Even when we don't understand, I think in this life, that can give us a lot of comfort, hopefully, and consolation. And even though it may not give us all the answers we're looking for, we can have faith in God's goodness. And I think in the midst of suffering, the thing that at least personally helps me the most is just remembering my own place and humbling myself, really, to remember who I am and who God is. And I especially like that use of, of Job there, Valerie, and I, I'm always moved by the end of that whole encounter mm-hmm. between God and Job, where at the end, <laughs> Job has been just tremendously humbled. <laughs> you know, yeah. that you describe the humility that's needed. But at the end, of those powerful words where Job says to the Lord, in the past, my ears heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Mm-hmm. Job did not literally see God, but Job is describing, now I understand. Mm-hmm. Now I understand the the majesty and the splendor of who you are and of what this is and that I have a part in this and I believe I trust. Mm-hmm. You know? And we certainly invite our, our listeners as we have walked through the Catechism of the Catholic Church in our show portrait today as we try to explain these realities and, and find in ourselves that certainty, that confidence of faith we see in Job and we see it in, in ho- all the Holy Ones. We want to thank our listeners for joining us for Porta Fide. We've reviewed numbers 39 to 43 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on how we can speak about God. We have some really exciting things coming up in our future shows. We're going to continue to move through the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This whole show is inspired by the Year of Faith. In honor of the 20th anniversary of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, please be sure to tune in next time. Porta Fide, looking forward to it. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, you are so majestic and such a mystery to us. We approach you with the confidence of sons and daughters. As you reveal your truth and your identity to us, we come to love you more and more. We ask you to send the help of your spirit into us that we might come to a deeper knowledge and a deeper love. Help us always to desire your will and to do it with boldness as we speak with confidence about you and about your ways among us. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
This is Father Jeff Kirby. You can reach me at charlestonvocations.com as well as on Facebook, also Charleston Vocations. Hope you visit our website or visit us on Facebook. Thanks. And this is Valerie Soup. You can reach me at the website catholicyoungadultsofsc.com. That's catholicyoungadultsofsc for South Carolina.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. 